Well, the Pac-12 is still looking for a media rights deal, and arguably nobody wants them to get it done more and stay together than Oregon State. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. Please and thank you. And uh, thank you to everybody who has done so already. Also, thank you to FanDuel for sponsoring today's episode. FanDuel Sportsbook is the, is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started it had been too long since we brought on carter baines of beaverblitz.com over at 24 7 sports covering the beeves can't talk about where oregon state fits into all this craziness without bringing carter on carter let's just hop right into it i think the the only other school that's comparable to oregon state in all these realignment conversations is is washington state in terms of how badly they would like the pack to stay together yeah Completely agree. I think, uh, you know, those are two schools that obviously have a lot of uh, in common. Uh, you can go back 150 years and, and find a whole lot that these schools have in common. But particularly now in this landscape, uh, these are two programs and two athletic departments and universities that are, I think, relying on the Pac-12 uh, staying intact for the foreseeable future. Because, quite frankly, I, I think the options outside of the conference of champions, which I think we're going to have to figure out what to call that once UCLA and USC leave and take their championships (laughs) with them. Uh, I think the opportunities outside of that are pretty slim as far as staying uh, in, in power five status. And uh, I'm sure we'll go in depth on, uh, you know, how tragic it would be if, if that was the case. But uh, yeah, I, I think certainly those are two schools that are are rooting for the Pac-12 the hardest. And this comes on the heels, by the way, of an, a tweet yesterday from Stuart Mandel, reporter for college football, saying that he was told by a source that the the announcement for the media rights deal, which we were told apparently falsely was in its final stages, is not going to get announced until late spring, early summer. What, what what do you make of where where this where this is all gone and kind of where the the state of the league is right now with with no deal beyond this upcoming sports season? Yeah, if this was any other media rights cycle, we wouldn't be making a big deal out of this because we're still a year away, over a year away from the current uh, deal expiring, and oftentimes you know these don't really get renewed until a year out. So I you know I think it's. Uh, obviously the pressure is on the conference from the outside and and maybe a little bit from the inside as well. Um, The optics aren't great because of all of the attention this has gotten and how quickly other conferences have moved. Um, But I think that's just it. I I think we put, I, I think the lens is so focused on this situation because of how other conferences have operated and how the media um, and, you know, you and I are, are part of this too, you know, how much emphasis we put on it. And, and for good reason, you know, I think there's, I, I think the Pac-12 needs the pressure to move um, for its own good. 
but I, I think that's where we stand now. I think, you know, it's, there's so much focus and emphasis on it because of how the rest of the college football and, and college basketball landscapes have changed recently. In that light, do you feel like it's, you know, being overblown at all? You think the pressure should be real? Do you have like what's what's your concern level right now with regards to what sort of media deal the Pac-12 will, will end up getting here? No, I think the pressure is uh, I think it's for good reason. Um, you know, it's a conference right now that is is playing defense as opposed to offense. Uh, had the Pac-12 moved on this a year or two ago a decade ago, even, um, you know, I think we'd be, we'd be having a different conversation right now, but the fact that uh, the PAC 12 is playing catch up and, and is really in survival mode rather than attack mode. Um, I think the pressure is warranted. If everyone was to say, you know, Oh, well, it'll happen in time and, you know, we'll see how it pans out. You know, maybe they'll add a school or not. You know, I, th- I think that would be emblematic of, of a certain, a certain amount of apathy that would be detrimental to the conference's well-being. So I think the pressure is warranted, um, but it's not, you know, I, I think it's more representative of the environment that the Pac-12 finds itself in. Yeah. And, and the environment right now is very much one of comparisons where you're looking at the Big Ten and the SEC and those are, you know, people might start referring to them as the Big Two and then the next three are the Big 12, the ACC and and, and the Pac-12 here because of just the, the financial gap that that is widening, right? It's existed for a very long time, but it is getting wider here with this next round of deals and how much money that uh, these conferences are are bringing in. But, you know, I, I look at that and say it's, it's getting worse, sure. But if you're a Pac-12 team, it's not going to be like, is, do you think it would be that different than the previous era of of college football? Because when people are talking about money going into an athletic department, I, I think a lot of people have the knee-jerk reaction to say, well, yeah, you won't be able to pay kids as much in NIL, but that's different. That That's that's a school-by-school school basis, right? Oregon can give, and, and I think Washington can get in that department as well. They can give NIL deals that match a lot of other big-time Power 5 schools in the country, but you know, a program like Oregon State or you know Stanford and Cal could if they wanted to. It just seems like they don't you know, really want to. That's not really what they're about Stanford, uh, especially. But I don't feel like personally, and I'm curious as your thoughts, like that, that it's that different than than what it will have been for, you know, the last 15 years or so. Like there's going to be a gap. It's going to be harder, but impossible to beat teams from that conference. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think it will be. I think it will be more noticeable, maybe. Um, but the gap, like you said, has always been there. I think you you might just see it now um, more with the schools that have the resources versus the schools that don't. I think NIL can level the playing field for schools that do have the resources, the alumni bases, the boosters and whatnot. But for schools like an Oregon State or a Washington State that don't, you know, that it, it gives it gives them an opportunity to catch up if if they have the uh, the infrastructure and the resources. but I'm not sure that it it closes the gap entirely. That's where I think the transfer portal helps programs like Oregon State, like Washington State, um, particularly at Oregon State. I mean, I've I've covered Jonathan Smith's efforts in the transfer portal for five years now, um, and I've seen him plug holes on the roster with guys from other Power Five schools, former four and five star recruits, 
to make up for that gap that, you know, maybe the, the athletic department um, doesn't have the budget to, to keep up with an Alabama, but it can certainly go out and scour talent the same way that Alabama can via the portal. So I think that helps level the playing field a little bit more than the finances. Uh, Cause I do think that gap will be pretty noticeable moving forward. Uh, just, you know, when you're, when you're comparing the conferences alone, um, look at the media deals that the big 10 and the sec are signing the Pac-12 is not going to match or compete with that number. And I think right away, you might not see that rear its head. But a decade from now, after those resources pile up and you see those investments being made, um, you know, we could we could be having a different conversation about where the Pac-12 stands at that point. Yeah, I, I think I think the short term considerations and the long term considerations are, are two different things. And I, I want to ask you about Oregon State's long term options here. And you can bet short term stuff or long term stuff over at FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. The NBA playoffs are almost here. The Masters is going on right now. You can live bet things on there and new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. They even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash on. That's FanDuel.com slash on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So going forward, Carter, I, I feel like the Pac-12 is going to get some kind of deal, you know, when anybody's guess. Apparently now it's late spring, early summer. I don't know. Right? But I still feel like that's going to happen. I just continue to question what it will look like, how much it will pay, you know, with, with all these delays and whatnot and how complicated it might be, clauses and lawyers and everything that gets involved, all that sort of stuff. That's kind of my biggest question on, you know, what what is taking so long here is like, is it just is it really that complicated or do you just not care? Or, you know, there are a lot of things at play there, but I'm talking in the next round of realignment because I don't think this is done right. Realignment's always taken place in college football at some level across the country in a bevy of conferences, but now it seems to have accelerated, right? The world is more connected. The world is more mobile. And we, we just have a lot of schools that are you know ready to move around that want to move around pressure, all that sort of stuff factors in. So, Let's say the Big Ten decided one day, yeah, we want to go back to the Pac-12. And, you know, I, I've long held the contention the Big Ten could tank the Pac-12 at any time they want. They could go after Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Washington. I think they would all say yes. They examine them back in, you know, late July, August and determine that it wasn't worth it financially. But if they decide to do that one day to expand further, I think all those schools would say, yes, you'd have a West Coast pod. It would make a lot of sense for, you know, various reasons that I could elaborate on further. But let's say that happens in, you know, 2030, the Big Ten does that and the Pac-12, you know, takes a, a critical blow at that point. What would the options really be for Oregon State? Well, the the primary hope for Oregon State would be that the Big 12 would give them a look. Um you know, I think at that point, you're looking at the Pac-12 being um, made up of a, a couple of existing members, plus, you know, probably taking the route that the Big 12 took in the last round, and that's adding four, six, maybe eight uh, current mid-major, you know, group of five schools. And Oregon State could go that route and hope that the Pac-12, you know, tries to tries to do something to stay afloat. But I think you know, in a perfect world for the athletic department, you'd, you'd get an invite from the big 12, which, 
you know, would have a more, uh, a more solid base. And I'm curious too, you know, if the PAC 12 eventually at some point crumbles to, you know, to six teams, would Oregon state be better off joining the mountain West anyway? You know, what would an existing PAC 12 look like at that point? Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a curious question and one that hopefully we never have to address. Um, but I think the big 12 would be option a, uh, in that scenario, Yeah, which I mean, I, who knows if they would even, you know, right. who knows if they want to come further West, I, I think it's possible considering their membership now, but right. And, and you know, the, the messaging that we've seen to this point from Arizona, Arizona state, Utah, and, and Colorado, who the big 12 have expressed interest in, you know, pretty publicly and understandably. So, right. Brett Yormark yeah. wants to get into more time zones. That makes a lot of sense. Those schools are right there. They give you the mountain time zone and Arizona is sometimes in the mountain time zone and sometimes in the Western Pacific time zone, which boggles my mind. How can you just daylight savings time? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get how that works. But regardless, like they represent that that sort of appeal and the messaging from, you know, high ranking administrators or presidents at those universities have been very clear. Rick George, the AD at Colorado, has said they don't want to go back to the Big 12 and they're not going to. Athletic director Mark Harlan at Utah has, you know, mocked the idea of going to the Big 12. President Robert Robbins at Arizona has said several times he wants to stay in the Pac-12, is going to wait and see what the media deal looks like first, but felt good about it. And has said, look, we don't want to go to the to the Big 12. We want to be in the Pac-12. Michael Crow at Arizona State has said the same thing. If Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal went away and you were left with those four schools plus Oregon State and Washington State, I think they could change their tune for two reasons. Number one, some of those schools care very much about sports, but number two, you know, part of the reason that I've long held the opinion, they, they wouldn't be interested in going to the big 12 is, is because of the academic standing in the big 12 versus the PAC 12. Some big 12 people are trying currently to convince me over the last couple of days that they're closer than I think, but like they're in different, different stratospheres in terms of the amount of money uh, from a research side. But if you take out Stanford and Cal suddenly the the kind of shiny element and you know elite pac 12 and washington too right oregon doesn't matter as much they do the least amount of research of i think anybody in the conference right now oregon state might be in the, i i honestly haven't looked but i know oregon's very low on that list but they are an au member like oregon's not you know doing a ton other than the au status to pull their way academically there but like that sort of reputation would i i think take a significant hit Right. Obviously, the athletics would. But you take Stanford and Cal, right, the Ivy League schools of the West out. And suddenly that appeal to stay in the Pac-12 because of what the presidency as superior academics, that would then, in my view, go away. Right. And I think that's worst case scenario for Oregon State and Washington State is if those four corner schools bolt for the Big 12 and uh, the Big 10 comes in and poaches you know, two to four of Oregon, Washington, and the Bay Area schools. That's the scenario where the Pac-12 is no longer viable as a conference and Oregon State has to, uh, you know, try to ride on the coattails of somebody else or resort to the Mountain West. Yeah, and if if that were to happen, again, I we all know that I don't want that to happen. I know Carter doesn't want that to happen, but we do have to deal with reality here. If in 2030, the Big Ten does come calling and you know ends up kind of sinking the league like just hypothetically carter 
because a lot of this stuff is hypothetical. That's what this time of year is for, frankly. Lots of fun hypotheticals. This one, not quite as fun. Going to the Mountain West, I mean, we've seen Mountain West schools, you know, be in the top 25. We've seen Mountain West schools, you know, Boise State most notably. It was when they were in the WAC, but, you know, comparable conference back when the WAC was FBS. It's now FCS football you know, get to a really, really high level. But if that were to happen, like this is why, you know, we heard from Oregon State and Washington State's presidents early in this media rights process. And they were the first ones to go on record and, you know, prop things up from a PR standpoint and say, no, we feel like we're going to get a deal. We like where we're at because they would have most likely the the most to lose because I don't think they're, you know, quite as appealing to the Big 12. But if they were, you know, to have to go to the Mountain West because there was nothing else, you know, they could still be the best programs there, but a high level program in the Mountain West, there, there, there's a ceiling at some level to, to what you can attain. Yeah, I've been looking at it from this perspective. You know, when I evaluate the worst case scenario for Oregon State, how worst case really is it? And I, I think there's something to be said for that. Oregon State would have the best facilities, uh, you know, one of the larger enrollments of, of any program in any athletic department in the Mountain West, Oregon State would immediately, and Washington State too, to an extent, um, you know, would become immediate powers in those conferences. You know, you'd probably be looking at one and two in most sports right away. Um, but I think... I don't you know, know about basketball. Yeah, not basketball. Not yeah, basketball, yeah. But, yeah. but the others, yes. Um, and I think in the short term, that's fine. You can capitalize off that. Um, particularly, you know, look at the way the college football playoff might be set up a decade from now. You know, how many group of five schools are you going to get in? Probably a couple. Um, you'll have so I think le- you'll have at least one. I think I think you'll have two at the most. Yeah. Right. That that yeah. that's a potential upside I hadn't thought about. Is there's a guaranteed right. G five spot in the playoff? So at least there'd be that. It's very similar to like a Gonzaga in basketball. I think you know you're looking at. Um, you know, I'm not going to say Oregon State and Washington State would be national powers in football, but, um, you know, you'd have a a decent path to the postseason out of your conference um, and, and being one of the better teams in your conference. I think it's a realistic expectation to be in the mix for that every year. But again, in the long term, your ceiling is going to be vastly diminished by being in a conference whose media rights deal is bringing in a couple million as opposed to tens of millions yeah. of dollars per school every year. Uh, and to be in a conference who, frankly, their exposure, their facilities outside of you know those two schools would be um, on, on the weaker side compared to what you're used to. And so I think you know over time you would see your athletic department uh, fall and, and, and kind of fall to um the level that you know your peers are on rather than building up um as if you know you stayed in the Pac 12 or or joined the Big 12. So, you know, your your long-term prospects I think take a hit, but the short term, you know, you could probably capitalize on it, but I mean, if we're talking long term here, yeah. it's it's a bad thing for those athletic departments. All right, so now that we've gone down that particular rabbit hole, Let's bring it back to modern day where the Pac-12 is still here. Oregon State is in it. And 
lest we need to remind people, we shall do so anyway. I don't even know what all that means, frankly. It just kind of like sounds funny. Just throw um, one lest out there as if you know what it means. <laughs> just, just, just put in some old English words, toss it around, call it good, and be like, yeah, I said something. It, yeah, it made it made sense. That's what goes on inside my brain, everybody. I know you really want to see that. So um, spring football for, for Oregon State underway as it is for you know the other programs in in the conference you've been there at at practice reporting and all that sort of stuff what are kind of the the biggest headlines right now how does dju look what's the defense like um how are things going so far for jonathan smith entering year six in corvallis yeah well it's actually at an interesting point right now in spring camp because oregon state just took the practice field again today for the first time in uh over two weeks they they have uh, the schedule that they've adopted over the last probably three years where they practice for two weeks, take finals week off, spring break off, and then go for three weeks in April. Uh, it's an interesting setup, but it has worked well for them in the past, so they decided to go with it again. Um, so really, everything that we know from spring camp is based off of the five or six practices um, from the first half of camp. And what I can tell you is that the quarterbacks look the part. Um, you know, we have obviously hyped DJ Uyunglele up on this podcast. Um, you and I have talked a little bit about Aiden Childs as well. I think we'll um, we'll we'll focus more on him as he as he ages. But those two uh, look the part of guys who could make immediate contributions and provide huge upgrades to the offense. Uh, my biggest questions right now are on the defensive side. Um, but I, I think Oregon State will be okay there. I, I think we're going to be impressed by the leap the Beavers can make on the offensive side, given what they bring back and given how good the quarterbacks have looked through a couple of practices. Um, and I, I guess I'll round out this overview with the fact that DJ, who we presume is going to be the starter, will be throwing to a wide receiving core that loses a couple of veterans but brings back some of the fastest receivers in the Pac-12 and Anthony Gould and Silas Bolden. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you one guy who popped in that first half of spring camp is freshman early and early Zachary Card, who's faster than both of them. So, you know, you give you give DJ or or Gold Branson or Childs or you name it, those kinds of targets. And I think they're going to be able to make some things happen. Uh, but where the where the excitement really comes from is the fact that you can pair that speed at receiver with the arm strength and accuracy of DJ, that gives you a deep ball threat that you have not had in years at Oregon State. And I think consistency in the passing game with that element makes this offense potentially really dangerous when you combine it with the running game that's always going to be really solid. Yeah, the, the, the dichotomy that I find interesting for Oregon State going into next year is the defense was so good and you lost a couple of key members there in Jaden Grant and Alex Austin, right? And look, they, they've got guys who I, I presume are ready and waiting in the wings. But to get that level of production from those veteran players, I don't think is particularly realistic. So I think not a dramatic, but maybe a half step back for the defense is pretty reasonable. But then can that be counteracted with better offensive production? Because Oregon State was a defensively led team last year. And they did so very well en route to their first 10 win season since 06. But what is you know going to be expected of, of DJU and the offense based on what the defense can give them, I, I think is you know kind of the, the fascinating push and pull for them going into next year or this year. Yeah, I think 
I think the answer to that question you posed is that the offense will take enough of a step forward to mask any steps backward that the defense takes. And it is way too early to make, you know, any judgments on, um, you know, how they look in practice is going to translate to the field in September. I mean, we're in April and we've seen six practices. Like it's, it's just too hard to tell. They're still working too many newcomers into the mix on both sides of the ball. But I think the potential is there. And just the fact that the ceiling, I think, is so much higher for the offense. You know, if you put if you put this year's projected offense on last year's team, I mean, look out, Oregon State is a legitimate Pac-12 college football or a Pac-12 championship college football playoff contender. I don't think the defense is going to be as good this year. But if it's even like if it's even good, not great, I think it was a great defense last year. If it's a good yeah. defense with a good to great offense, Oregon State's going to at least be back where it was last year. Um, so I think, you know, when you talk about that dichotomy, it's it's interesting that last year Oregon State's identity kind of shifted, more of a defensive team that also plays offense, to where I think this year you're going to see it step back to, or not step back, but kind of re- revert to the identity that it used to have. It's just that it's going to be better on offense and defense than it was in the past. Um, and I think that's that's a path to success for Oregon State. You know, just get back to to what has worked in the past, but be better at it. Um, you know, that's 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 much more sustainable than I think what Oregon State thrived on last year. And doing it in the Pac-12 would certainly be the most preferable and uh, sustainable method of <laughs> achieving such things. Yeah. Carter Baines, BeaverBlitz.com, yeah, no 24-7 Sports, also hosts the, uh, the damn podcast over there. Thanks so much, Carter. Appreciate it. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate everybody listening. We'll see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.